0: Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat.
1: Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by, And that has made all the difference. Welcome to A Wood of Many Ways, the 23rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century poet Robert Frost. You may call me
0: Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Merry meet. My name is Quinn. Ode's mother. Hey, and... we got through that okay. That was Yay! a really long one. Yeah, long... I know.
1: I know, I know. I know it's a little long, but I feel like... So often that poem, just the like the uh, last, last stanza gets yeah, quoted, and yeah. I wanted to give it like the full experience it because yeah. it's a beautiful poem. It's got like layers that I think people don't get to fully experience most of the time because they only hear the last bit. So right. and, and, and it's, apropos. It's very appropriate for our episode today because we're going to be talking about our paths, how we got from points A to B to C to D, etc., on those paths and sort of where we are and what we're doing now, because people have been asking.
0: Right. We've had a lot of questions about this. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of people say, well, I want to know more about what your path actually is. Mm-hmm. So, and how did you
1: get there how from how did you Christianity? Get there? Right. Yeah. And yeah, so we thought we'd talk about that. It's not gonna be as formal and researched as some of our episodes have been in the past. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be mostly us chit chatting and like discussing our own histories
0: and Yeah, it's kinda of life stuff. So yeah, it's, it's hard well, to research your own that. life.
1: <laughs> yeah. We have done that. It's we, just we've been done a that while. before. It's just been a bit, yeah. <laughs> Probably a fun episode. I think it'll be fun anyway.
2: I'm looking forward to it.
1: And before we begin, we have two new patrons this month that we need to thank. We have our new cat, Marcella M and our new hunter, Raven. So thank you both for supporting us on
0: Patreon. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: We're going to start with my path, just because it's probably the least fraught and complex of them. (laughs) That's not that complex. (laughs) It's, it's Uh, it's definitely fraught. I had a really, like, basically very straightforward trajectory from Christianity to where I am now, which I describe myself as a syncretic heathen, which I'll describe, I guess, in a little more detail in a little bit. I was raised as a Christian. My parents were both Christian when I was a child, as far as I knew. You'll hear more about this from them in a little bit moving forward. But from my perspective, they were both Protestant Christians, and that was the only information I ever had. We weren't allowed to read about other religions because there was like sort of a movement at the time that if you read about another religion, it would sort of corrupt you into that religion. So I really didn't have exposure to other religions at all, until I was probably 10 or 11 or 12 in that like early adolescence when my mother became a witch and stopped being a Christian and told me I didn't have to be one if I didn't want to be one. And I didn't. So I stopped. (laughs) And that was the end of that. I wasn't allowed to be a witch because in my mother's opinion at that time, children shouldn't be doing magic, shouldn't be doing witchcraft. So she wouldn't train me. And I didn't want to go to church. I had never felt like connected to church. I had done Christian things all my life. I had gone to Bible school and I had done Bible camp. And yeah. I had, you know, I had rededicated my life to Christ like three times already by then, because sometimes <laughs> if you've never been to a church, you maybe haven't yeah. experienced this, but at, so at churches, sometimes the pastor will call anyone who has, who has fallen from the path to come forward and rededicate their life to Christ. And in a church, you get into this kind of weird, like group mind. You, it's very easy to get sort of drawn into mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, In that moment, I would be like, Oh gosh, I have fallen from the path. I should go rededicate my life to Christ. And I would go at eight and I, and I would, you know, go up to the front and rededicate my life and cry and get prayed over. And then I would go back home. And as soon as I got home, it would all sort of slough away like dead skin and there would be nothing left over. So by the time I was like 12, I had decided, okay, well, this, Obviously isn't working, so it's not for me and I'm not going to keep doing it. Having been given the permission to not be a Christian anymore, I decided that was that and I was going to not do it. Mm. And for several years, I didn't at all. There was a brief period where I would attend church again and I, again, would do that thing where I went back up to the front. My grandmother would take me sometimes to... That was probably somewhere in the middle so then when the I was middle, 13 or 14. Granny was And Granny was to taking me, me to church. Yeah. And I would, again, do that thing. And then I would come home and be like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do the thing. So I would just yeah. stop and quit again. But by the time I was a teenager, I had pretty much, like, dropped the whole thing. And I didn't ever pick it up again. And I didn't really pick up anything to replace it, because like I said, I didn't have a lot of exposure to other religions, so I didn't really know what my options were. And I didn't feel like I was missing anything. There was a thing that was described to me a lot in the Christian church called a a hole in your cell, like a missing piece that was supposed to be filled by God. Oh, a God-shaped goodness. hole is, is what the the term is. Very, very typical. And that had been described to me a lot as a child, and I had never experienced it. I had never felt like I was missing a piece that needed to be filled in by something divine. So when I left that faith and not having sort of a framework for other options, even in my brain, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. So it just didn't occur to me for a long time to go on a search for anything. Eventually, I had a friend, several friends who were in various faiths. And I would talk to them about their religions, and they would describe to me sort of how they had come to those religions, how they had found those faiths, how those faiths interacted with their daily lives. And I sort of picked at that idea for a couple of years without ever really, like, dedicating myself to it. I was never really an atheist. I had all sorts of, like, superstitions and, and, like, little spiritual impulses that just didn't have an outlet. Would you say you were an agnostic? I get Yeah, agnostic is probably the, the term I would... And I think that's the term I did use for a while was it was an agnostic that like there might be something out there, but I couldn't know and it didn't matter. So eventually I got to a point where I wanted something. I still didn't really know what my options were. Nothing that had been presented to me by that point really fit None of the mainstream religions really And how old were you by this point? That was probably when I was 25 or 26 Mm -hmm. was the point at which I, like, I knew I wanted something. I didn't know what. I didn't think one of the mainstream religions that I had sort of the most exposure to was going to do. But as far as I knew at that point, my parents were very Christian again, and I wasn't interested in, like, rocking the boat on that. So I just didn't do anything about it. Like, I would do a little bit of research, and I sort of picked around the the edges of paganism because my mother had been a witch before, so I knew that it at least existed. So, you know, I picked at that for a couple of years, and for a long time I really resisted the path I have now come to, which is heathenry. I resisted the option of heathenry because there's a lot of white nationalism in heathenry, and racism. Mm-hmm. And I am a white person. <laughs> so I felt like and, and I'm a white person with Scandinavian mm-hmm. heritage. So I felt like I don't want to be associated with that behavior, that mode of, of thought. So I have Scandinavian heritage, I have German heritage. And so like, if I, as a white girl with the right ethnicity was to go to a white nationalist kindred and say, let me in, they would let me in. Mm-hmm. They would ask no questions. Because I look like the kind of person, you fit the part, I, I, exactly, fits the part. I, exactly, mm-hmm. I would be completely welcome in a racist kindred, and that was super uncomfortable for me. So I resisted it for a long time, even though I was interested in the idea. Even though, even as a child, I had been interested in like Norse mythology, mm-hmm. and I had always been. Probably uncharacteristically positive about Loki and his kids. (laughs) No, did you ever? Because I'm always that
2: person. Did you ever consider just Norse witchcraft or an eclectic Norse
1: witchcraft? I never ever did. No, I never ever did. Why? I think just because for me the Norse sort of mythology in general as something that you interacted with spiritually Mm -hmm. had gotten really tied up with that even racist kindred concept. Norse witchcraft. Yep. Didn't matter to me whether it was like part of that religious system that has been co-opted or whether it was like an eclectic witch that had, had Norse patrons. It didn't matter to me. As far as I was concerned, it was all sort of tainted by that group being right. involved. How did you overcome that? Eventually, I reached a point where I had tried other things like I had tried. I had pursued for a little bit a Kemetic faith. I had pursued a Celtic faith for a little bit. I pursued a bunch of options, some that I had like a genetic connection to, some that I had no genetic connection to, just sort of like testing the waters. And finally, I figured like, well, I've tried everything else. I might as well at least give it a shot, right? Mm -hmm. I might as well at least open myself to the possibility Mm -hmm. that this is the right thing for me. And as soon as I genuinely engaged with heathenry as like a faith system, and as soon as I genuinely engaged with the gods uh, of heathenry, at least of the Norse uh, tradition, Mm -hmm. I felt so emplaced. It's not a god-shaped hole, but it is a rooting for me. Nothing is repaired by me having this thing because there was nothing broken about me to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like as though I have found the right place to set down my roots and grow and flourish and bloom. So that's what I do now. I'm a heathen. I'm a syncretic heathen, so... Heathenry has a lot of missing pieces because it's one of those religions that was very oral and a lot of the things that are written down about it now are written down by Christians Mm -hmm. and there's just not a lot of source text left. It has a lot of holes and gaps that need to be filled in to make it sort of a functional modern religion. So how I address that disconnect is by learning from other religions, especially Indo-European religions that are more whole today, looking at sort of the things that they do and how their religion and their faith system and their magic systems function and syncretizing those into my faith system as a whole, which is something I am able to do very easily because I don't have a kindred, which is another way that I've avoided the racist kindred problem is to just not have one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True. Quinn's Garden Gems. Perfect. Okay. There you go. All right.
2: So today, what I wanted to talk about, because I received a gift mm-hmm. in the mail from Finn Odinson, mm-hmm. uh, which, thank you, Finn. I really appreciate what you sent to both Ode and I. Yeah, they're um, spectacular. Spectacular. But Finn, when he was listening to... One of our previous podcasts noted that I had said that my sweetgrass braid Mm -hmm. was depleting. Yeah. So he offered to send me one. He lives in Oklahoma. And so he had one that he got from one of the local tribes there. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me this beautiful sweetgrass braid. It smells great. Oh my god, it smells so good. (laughs) So I thought today I would talk about sweetgrass. Not necessarily as something that you would grow because it is, in my view, because it is, you know, native to North America and to Eurasia and it is really considered sacred by the native populations of both Mm -hmm. those areas and almost, in a way, for at least Native American tribes here in the north it really is almost like a an export. <laughs> right. They use it for their livelihoods to create crafts and mm-hmm. things to to sell and they use it in their ceremonies and stuff. So I'm not really talking about it today as something that you would necessarily grow yourself although in your own garden. In your own garden, but although you can grow sweet grass, mm-hmm. my understanding is it's relatively easy to grow and and it's also something that's for the most part it's only cultivated nowadays it's very hard to actually find wild sweetgrass yeah. anymore. It's it's mostly been cultivated by the native american tribes in north america it is again it is considered sacred the leaves are dried and made into braids and burned for various religious ceremonies and purposes uh, it does have an amazing vanilla scent.
1: Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> the last sweetgrass braid that Car and Gwyn got at a powwow oh, well. at a powwow mm-hmm. around here. It was we just had it hanging on the wall for a long time, and I used to just walk past it and stop to smell the sweetgrass braid oh, on my way through fragrant. the hall. <laughs> it was they
2: had just it had just been harvested, mm-hmm. and so it was newly braided. It hadn't dried yet, and so it just was so fragrant for the longest for time. like six months for six months, and and then we burned almost mm-hmm. over half of it. It was a very long braid. Yeah. It can be obviously used as well as for basket weaving mm-hmm. and various things like that. It can be used as incense. It has several names. It's known as Seneca grass, vanilla grass, holy grass, and buffalo grass. Okay. And in addition to using it for sacred ceremonies, mm-hmm. it can be used to bless or purify people, tools, areas for healing as well as for religious purposes mm. so any kind of object space it can be used to purify and right. cleanse those things it can also be used to repel negative energies which is why it's very popular to use in cleansing ceremonies mm-hmm. as a cleansing smoke and in then, addition to or in replacement of sage in a lot of cases exactly mm-hmm. and then it can also i did not know this it can also be worn as a protective amulet
0: oh i
1: didn't
2: that. No, I did not know that either. But you can either make a little, make a little necklace, braid for yourself yeah. or you can just snip off the end of a sweetgrass braid and put it into a pouch or like a, locket. a locket or something like that and it'll it'll act as a protective amulet. Oh, that's really nice. cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that idea. So that's what I have to share today on sweetgrass. My own feeling if you're gonna get sweetgrass don't just buy it at your local pagan store, that kind of thing, because you can get them at some. And
1: on, like, Etsy. And on Etsy.
2: Yeah. But if you do that, do make sure it's been sourced properly and that it's from a Native tribe. I choose to only buy or receive my grass braids from Native American tribes because I want to honor and respect their tradition.
0: So that's it for Queens Garden Gems. Nice. Nice. Very nice. So I'm next. Yeah, you're next. I'm next. All right. Mine's pretty straightforward. I was raised in the Christian church from birth, basically. (laughs) Yep. I did the whole, like salvation thing walk down the aisle blah mm-hmm. blah blah. when i was like six years old after seeing a movie called he oh, came like a thief god. in the night oh
1: my god you saw that, that oh, yeah. as, as a child it's, yeah yeah it's they showed of, it they showed it at our
0: church that should
1: be illegal <laughs> it's a piece of
0: shit
2: movie but it does do a good job of scaring the Jesus out of here it's yeah.
1: also like pretty gruesome and probably should not be shown to small children it's
0: not as gruesome, it's not as, gruesome as you think it, as you think it's because it was idea. made in the 70s yeah but so, like the... I mean, it's. I've watched it since then, like, since being out right. of the Christian church, I've watched it, and it's really hokey. Yeah, oh, I know, it's not
1: hokey. like Saw or anything, but, but for, <laughs> the, for the audience that's... <laughs> Good God, I hope nobody ever
2: decides to remake it that way. For,
1: for the uh, for the audience that's being exposed to it, it's, like, really traumatizing,
0: yeah. I would
2: think. Yeah, especially if you're a six-year-old yeah. child. Yeah. It's,
1: it's really intense
0: for children. And so I did that whole thing, and... I don't know that it really did anything for me or made me, you know, I still had to go to church because my mom Right,
1: your mom was going to take you whether you... My mom was
0: going to take me no matter what. You all probably know the story, but, like, I came home that night from after seeing that movie and woke up in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and nobody was at home,
1: Yeah, so you thought you'd been raptured.
0: I thought they had been raptured. I had been left behind and, you know, I was... Doomed.
2: And for those of I, you who might not know, if you weren't raised in the Christian church, the rapture is a term that means all of the Christians are snatched just into away heaven. instantly into heaven and every all the sinners are left behind.
1: I, I used to have similar experiences as a child when I was very young. Where like I would find myself unexpectedly alone in the morning and be like, oh no, I did it, I did <laughs> I a bad. it bad, <laughs> I missed it. Uh-huh. So you
2: thought everybody? Oh well, yeah, been it out, away. it
0: turned out they were out in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my grandfather and both my parents were out in the garden. But I literally thought like.
1: I'm doing I've this been better? left behind. Uh-huh. So, so it I mean, made you feel kinda, better, probably.
0: Right, yeah. It made me feel better, you know, that now I have my fire insurance. Right. Like I said, again, I don't think it meant anything other than I just felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it
1: was sort of like a protective talisman for you at that right. point. yep. Because you'd so been scared by something. I just
0: kind of kept going to church because my mom was the youth pastor at the time or worked at the church or, you know, there was all mm-hmm. kinds of things where she did stuff around church stuff and still does to this day. Yep. <laughs> but probably by the time I was 12 or so, my parents had divorced when I was 10. When I was 12, I went to live with my dad for a year. Mm-hmm. And my dad had left the church, had nothing to do with it, smoked pot, drank a lot. Was on like his third or fourth girlfriend by the time I, <laughs> I got <laughs> to him. And his rule was, you know, just don't lie to me. I don't care what you do. You want to drink off my bar? That's cool. Don't lie to me about it. You want to smoke my pot? That's cool. Just don't lie to me about so it. So, literally,
2: no
1: parenting. Yeah, no parenting at all. Yeah. all,
0: basically. That lasted a year, and they were actually going to put me in military school. Yeah. And my mom. Well, you were so unparented. Right. And my mom, who had moved to Florida, flew up, met with the school officials. And basically said, when he comes to visit me for the summer, I'll just keep him. You all won't have to worry about him. Just get him through. Mm-hmm. They didn't send me to military school. They didn't pass me. <laughs> but, but they didn't send me to military school. So when I went to visit my mom during the summer, she walked past me in the airport because she didn't recognize me because I changed so much. I grew six inches. I grew long hair. I bleached it. You know, I had an earring. All of those things that, like, you know,
1: make you indistinguishable. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And she was
2: a good Southern Baptist lady, Uh right? right. So the long hair and the earring were
1: unacceptable.
0: So actually, yeah, the first thing we did before we even went home was we went to the to to the to the hair place and got my hair cut. (laughs) That's when she noticed the earring, so that had to come out. Went to a Christian school for a year, and then convinced my mom that I I should go to public school. Mm -hmm. Public school was better. My mom had gone on a mission trip Mm -hmm. and left me at home alone,
1: which was not wise on her part.
2: Where, where, what happened to the A plus parenting? You know,
0: and and she thought you were cured of the bad stuff. I I don't know. So I had a party at our house for the entire week that she was gone, Mm -hmm. and the fence got knocked down around it. A lot of shit happened, Yeah, holes in the walls. Oh, so much happened. Um, anyway, so she came back and we got in a fight, and I threatened to leave and. And so when I was like, well, I'm going to leave. She's like, good. If you go, you're done. And so I did. And she changed the locks on the house. So I spent about two years homeless. Mm-hmm. So I lived between a dumpster and a 7-Eleven for about six months. I lived uh, in a homeless village for about a year and a half. And I finally just was like, screw this. I guess I've got to get my life together because this sucks. <laughs> Oddly enough, like the youth pastor at our church who kicked me out mm-hmm. of, the, of youth group found me on the street. And paid me money to come run sound for some event. Some event. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did this whole thing. The guy gave a great call to come back mm-hmm. to Jesus. And so I did. And <laughs> what, what, the... uh,
1: what inspired you to do that? Was it that group mind thing again, or I,
0: probably? Yeah, I mean, well, I you don't gotta know. Remember,
1: trained, Were you just very high? And an evangelist is trained yeah, to, to, elicit, draw people to elicit
0: a response. To elicit and, a response. You know, my life sucked at that point. I was homeless yeah. and I was high. That right. Was, there were a lot went, of factors. There were a lot of factors in it. So after that, I was like, all right, well, now that I've got that settled, I can go back to my mom. <laughs> went back and said, hey, you need, I need help. You're the only person that can help me, and she gave me an ultimatum again. You can get a job, or you can go to college. And I was like, "I'm going to go to college, right?" I don't that sounds much easier. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Just blend it in with you know. With, it yeah. was a Christian college. I'd already been hanging out there since I was probably twelve or thirteen. Because that's where your mother. Because my mom worked there, mm-hmm. so it was super. You know, I knew everybody. I you knew all the
1: faculty. I knew all yeah. the
0: faculty. I knew you know everything. A lot so, of the students, right. <laughs> So anyway, went to college, went to a Christian college, met Gwen right. there, but never really had like a, I don't know, I guess like a true relationship with Jesus. It just kind of always was around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would work at churches, mm-hmm. but I would be like the sound guy, you know, because you guys just stand in the back.
1: You guys did for a while talk about doing missions together when I was a kid.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think all of that was like,
1: Trying to find purpose. Yeah,
0: trying to find some kind of purpose. Mm-hmm.
2: Missions, ministry, anything right, like yeah.
0: that. Yeah, anything that was like to feel more connected. Mm-hmm. Because, because I you didn't weren't really feeling. Feel, it. I wasn't really feeling connected. Mm-hmm. I just was like, eh. I've kind of always felt that way. I never really felt super connected with the whole Christian faith. I was there because I was there. Because
1: you grew up in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and so first, you know, your,
2: your mother expected it, then your wife expected yeah. it, and, and sort of were, society expected
1: it. And, and there,
0: there were times like. It. like You know, Gwen came to me in, oh, I don't know, 1995 or so. So you were... Mm -hmm. I was five. Five. And said, hey, I found this book on witchcraft. So my response was, well, if you do this, I'm going to take the kids and you'll never see them again.
1: Yeah. Because fear.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Not a great response, but, you know. And at the time, I worked for a Christian book company. Mm -hmm. So I was traveling around selling Christian books to Christian bookstores and and music and that kind of stuff. I thought, well, I'm going to lose my job over this. and.
1: Well, and Christian um, companies that you work for are very like involved in your personal life has been my experience. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean like
1: they'll control whether you can drink and smoke and keep your job. They'll right. control you have to be a Christian and you have to make like a statement of faith to yep. get the job and yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah and I had finally, a sign of stuff to it's say very, I wouldn't drink. It's very controlling. And,
0: yeah.
2: It's very controlling.
0: And so, you know, we kind of did that for a long time. And then Gwen and I were separated for five years. Mm-hmm. And part of that was when she got back involved in witchcraft mm-hmm. or got involved in witchcraft mm-hmm. after that one little snippet in 95. Right. And during that five years, I was, I would probably say my religion at that point was alcohol and house music. Uh-huh. I mean, that was basically <laughs> all I did. Like I. I, I guess when when we first split up, I was a classic rock DJ mm-hmm. and the station got bought and everybody got canned. And so I was like, well, I've got to find something to do that makes money. Right. And I was like, well, I have, you know, access to a turntable. and then <laughs> I'll learn sudden, how to I'll do that. To, I'll learn how to be a DJ and it pays really well. And you, you only work three hours a night, two nights a week. And, right. But for three of those five years we were separated, I had no contact with you guys yeah. at all. So I didn't even know that Gwen was involved in witchcraft for the first little bit, mm-hmm. and then it kind of came out and, through as that you process, reestablished as contact. As we reestablished contact, I actually got a letter at one point <laughs> This is so funny. Uh, from Gwen <laughs> in the mail. It was just a letter. That's all it was. <laughs> and but it had Celtic designs on it. Uh huh. On, w- on the stationery. On the stationery, I wouldn't open it because I thought I was she was cursing me. <laughs>
1: Which is hilarious because I think I at some point sent you a letter that was full of actual curses. Not like magic curses, (laughs) but like verbal curses. Well, that's not surprising. I I I think I wrote you a letter full of as many, yes, Shakespearean insults as I could pull out of every book I owned because I was so angry at that point in my life. (laughs)
2: to be to be completely frank and honest it was just stationary (laughs) i did buy it at a pagan pride event but it was
0: was just just
1: just celtic knots. but that tells you something about that tells you something about um the
0: fear involved one
1: and and how little like information you have like you didn't even recognize them just as celtic design no
0: no not at all and then when, when we got back together, or at least we started the process of getting yeah, back mm-hmm. together. I, I had gotten out of being a nightclub DJ. Mm-hmm. I started working at a Christian bookstore. I you were a like youth cleaning your life up again. You,
2: yeah, you had made a rededication. Right, yep. You did
0: one of these right, rededication yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I had become a youth pastor at a, at a Lutheran church <laughs> that let me DJ. And bring in DJs in the basement every Friday and Saturday night. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, so I had this like basement club, yeah. in a church for the <laughs> and youth groups for and the stuff. youth groups, yeah. and like we'd have you know 150 to 200 youth come to these things, and like half of them show up on Sunday mornings, but the church was only like 30 adults, so right. it's kind of funny, like it's like. Massive influx of kids, so I was...
1: Which I'm sure the church was thrilled by. Right, yeah,
0: I was king of the world for a while. Like, again, I never had a really good connection to quote-unquote Jesus. Mm -hmm. I just didn't... I didn't care, I think, was the big thing. You really
2: got involved in that 24-7 prayer movement, too. Do you think that was also just that desire, that looking for a connection of some kind, some spiritual... Yeah, some kind of spiritual connection. connection And the 24-7 prayer,
0: I thought, was really cool because... It was so different than what I knew of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, Christianity said prayer was fold your hands, kneel, bow your head. Mm-hmm. And So this 24-7 prayer room was like art is prayer mm-hmm. and music dancing. is prayer and dancing yeah. is prayer. And so, you know, I was like, oh, this is dope. Anything you really do, do mindfully
1: this. for the glory of God is prayer. basically. That's right, exactly. the 24-7 prayer motto.
0: Yeah, basically. And so I was like, oh, this is dope. Like I can get into this. You know, I did a bunch of these 24-7 mm-hmm. prayer rooms where it was, you know, seven days, 24 hours a day mm-hmm. for an entire week. Of there would always stuff. be
1: someone there. There someone. would
0: always be someone there. Although most of the time it was just me. Yeah. Um, but you were
2: still not feeling fulfilled? No.
0: No, you were and sort that's why I kind of, religion instead yeah, of. And that's why I kind of flip-flopped and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And there would be like, you know they always talk about in Christianity about mountaintop highs mm-hmm. and valley mm-hmm. lows, yeah. and I you know I had more of those kind of mountaintop highs mm-hmm. at that time. At that time, but then we, you know, we separated again for a little bit. Oh, it had some issues. Yeah, so it was just kind of chaos, and I was like, you know, basically fuck all this stuff. <laughs> I'm moving to California, and so I did. I just packed up one day and got in a car and drove from Alabama to California in. Twenty-three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid way to drive to California. Yes, it is.
1: You're lucky you're alive.
0: And then I don't know, probably a year and a half or about two years. Th- about a year after that, I was like, "All right, I got to figure out this whole marriage thing because that's what <laughs> God would want." Mm-hmm. And blah blah blah. So you're and,
2: having another rededication moment? yeah
0: kind of, I guess. You somewhat. would just
1: sort of maybe you would live by these rules, rules all for your so life, long, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I just didn't care. I mean, about the religion part of it, but I was just like make my mom happy it'll probably right. <laughs> you know so i got in uh on a bus mm-hmm. i sold my car mm-hmm. in california and got on a bus and took it to michigan and then we you know we tried to rebuild our lives mm-hmm. got back involved in church stuff mm-hmm. got back i actually worked for a christian ministry for a minute like working with gang kids mm-hmm. then got a job at a mega church as their sound and lighting guy which again i mean it was just like and i broke all the rules that they had me sign paperwork mm-hmm. for. I still went out and drank. I started a thing that was about drinking while I worked there. It never really connected. So when that job ended, I was like, you know what? Just fuck all of this. Like, I don't I don't need anything. Yeah. Like, I just don't need any of it. Mm-hmm. And so that probably lasted for three and a half or four years where I was just yeah. like, fuck it all. I don't care. I'm not going to do any of it. And then, I don't know. I just felt like I was missing something. And I've been through the 24-7 prayer movement. I've been like... Checking out Celtic Christianity and Gnostic mm-hmm. Christians and that kind of stuff that was kind of eclectic and all that. Yeah, the,
1: and, and fringy stuff. Fringy,
0: yeah, fringy from Still kind of Christianity, right, but. Right.
1: Yeah. And you had explored, like, you had looked into sort of different monastic orders yep. and things like that. Exactly, People who, yeah. who experienced Christianity differently. Differently, yeah. And with a little more mysticism yeah. involved.
0: Yes, in very much so. Especially with the Gnostics. Yeah. yeah. You and I had gone downstairs out of our yep. apartment, and so I could smoke.
1: Yeah, we yeah. we often did this uh, at the old apartment, especially where Carr would go downstairs to smoke, and I would go down with him, and we would talk because, Right.
0: just about stuff.
1: Yeah, just about whatever was on our minds at the
0: time. And so I just brought up to Odin. I was like, I have this feeling that something's missing, and I'm not sure what it is, and I don't know what my options what are. My options are or anything like that. You know, I'm like, well what would you think if I looked into, you know, something that's not Christianity? And Ode was like, well, I now do that anyway. Uh-huh. And, uh, It was
1: like, let me tell you a secret, Daddy. I have been <laughs> doing that the whole time.
0: So, which I had no clue about. So I had no clue about Ode oh, being involved in heathenry mm-hmm. or anything like that. I think I'd already gotten back involved in, in the craft. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. And so but I just hadn't really. But told we had just it. sort of right. all
1: not been talking about we it. Just right. Each other. Been right. About it. You
2: knew I was very open that I was, uh, practicing the craft again, but right. we just didn't discuss it. We just didn't it. discuss yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And so I just, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm good at Google. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I'll start Googling stuff. Just started looking around for like something that fit. And I remembered these whole Celtic Christian things that Mm -hmm. were just different Mm -hmm. and kind of weird. And and I was like, well, let's check out that. And then I found Druidry. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, this looks kind of cool. So I'll I'll look at it a little bit. And I looked at a bunch of the different orders that they Mm -hmm. had. And
1: He did like an exhaustive comparison of the different orders. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Found the ADF felt like it really kind of fit me mm-hmm. at least for now that's where I kind of fell into was uh Celtic druidry and it's it's made a whole lot more sense mm-hmm. to me and
2: well what can you tell us a little bit about celtic Druidry that what appealed to you about it?
0: I think a lot of the ancestor worship, the fact that there really isn't like heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're reincarnated, but you can be reincarnated in anything. Right. So a tree, a rock, an animal, a what, you know, whatever. So the whole world around you then is you alive. Know, alive yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just something that just appealed to me because I felt like the religion I had come from was very dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just felt more connected. And the fact that we're all three kind of not on the same path, but on the same trajectory. Right. For the, right same right the, the same journey. The same journey. To go
1: with the tagline. <laughs> right.
0: Has helped tremendously because I've we've been able to... We've
1: been able to really sort of talk to each other and keep right, each other yeah. on track. Right. And,
0: exactly. Yeah. And so that's helped tremendously. Um So, the, yeah, I mean, that's basically been my ode. Oh, Stone Corner.
2: (laughs) He's getting into this kind of thing. He he likes doing these like
1: seamless transitions. Seamless,
2: but is it really seamless
1: or is it like ooh okay? Interjection. (laughs) Interjection. Okay.
0: Realized I talked too dang long.
1: (laughs) You did go for a bit. So for this Oatstone Corner, we're going to be talking about selenite. We're going to specifically be talking about hourglass selenite because Finn Odinson, who sent Gwyn the sweetgrass braid, sent me. Three really, really beautiful, actually four, really, really beautiful hourglass selenite specimens. One of which she was very gracious to give to me. Which which I have given to Gwyn. Three of which I have kept for myself because I love them so much. They're so great. Regular selenite, so all selenite and all its varieties, including like desert rose and, and gypsum flowers and things like that, are all a variety of crystallized gypsum which is a mineral. It's a, like a soft, water-soluble mineral. It's used in Plaster of Paris. Uh, it's used as a fertilizer in some places. And in its crystal form, it's called selenite. It forms uh, very easily in, in saline, so in salt water. Uh, hourglass selenite is a unique form of selenite that is only found on the Oklahoma salt plains. So there was all this, like, tidal sea activity in the Oklahoma salt plains way a billion years ago. And so the salt plains are what they sound like, what it says on the tin. Plains of salt. Plains of salt. The water and the land there has very high salt content. And so around the the pools and the rivers and when it rains and things, the the water becomes saturated with the salt and with gypsum. And as the water evaporates, the gypsum crystallizes into selenite. And in the salt plains in Oklahoma, it sometimes incorporates clay and sand particles into a unique hourglass shape that is not found anywhere else. Gypsum, selenite in other parts of the world, takes on different colors sometimes uh, or different shapes because of the minerals it's exposed to, Right. but only in the salt plains and only in this one relatively small area in the world does selenite take on the the hourglass shape. The spars themselves are regular selenite spars. They're like long, um, relatively flat crystals. But the sand and clay particles trapped inside the gypsum look like hourglass shapes, and that's yeah. And it it only happens in this one place. I don't know. I don't understand the exact process that causes that to happen. Uh, that that causes that particular shape to form right. uh, during the, the crystallizing process. But it's. Really, really beautiful. So thank you to Finn Odinson Mm. for these samples. Which he dug up himself. Yeah, which you can go to the salt plains and for no charge, you can dig for in the, like the silt, hourglass selenite. Hmm. Although you're only allowed to keep a certain amount with each trip. Gotcha. And there have been some really, really beautiful specimens. He sent us three spars which are the sort of the long flat pieces and then he sent also a beautiful cluster uh, which is essentially a bunch of spars that have sort of grown into and through each other. All selenite is good for like clarity and calm and it's a like a good meditation aid. It has uh, one of the uptones I've talked about before. It's usually clear selenite and the hourglass selenite has like a clear base Sometimes sort of a rusty color because it has iron oxide in it. Right. And then it has the, the brown clay and sand particles in it forming the hourglass. So hourglass selenite, in addition to being a very, like, calming, focusing stone, very good for meditation, for sort of connecting with higher energies, also simultaneously has a grounding element because it's literally got earth in it. Huh. In fact, it's literally got very specific earth in it. And I have, like, a suspicion... That I haven't like 100% verified yet, but I've got a suspicion that there's something like unique about hourglass selenite because it comes, it all comes from this specific place, that it's tied to that, those land spirits somehow.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: So, especially the clusters have kind of a hivey feeling to me where it feels like they're connected to something. Sometimes you'll find stones like this that feel like they're still connected to maybe their their origin place, or to sort of the root stone, or to the the root concept of that kind of stone. Mm -hmm. Hourglass selenite has a very strong feeling like that; like it's very connected to its origin place. So someday I would like to go to the Oklahoma salt plains and see if I can like connect. See if I can see if I can get those spirits on the line and see if that's what I'm sensing through the hourglass selenite. But I think that's probably what it is is that these stones, because they are so specific, because they are so unique, because they come from this one place, have like a really strong connection to that land. So, but they have grounding properties, which is a really strong combo with like a clarity and a calming thing, because it means, so like regular selenite you use as a meditation aid, and it like brings you to a higher level, right? Right. But that can get you a little disconnected. Hourglass selenite, because it also has the grounding component in it, grounds you at the same time that it elevates you. So you t- there's like much less chance of getting sort of disconnected from your physical self. It's going to be much easier to pull out of the meditation when you're done. So it's like a really good like all-purpose stone to bring into a meditation. Okay, cool. I would say it's like a good spiritual organizer. So if you're like sorting through a lot of shit, I would bring in a piece of hourglass selenite if you can get one. They're not like widely sold because they only come from this one place. Right. But mm-hmm. If you can get a piece of hourglass selenite, I I would think it's probably very good for sort of sorting through your shit and organizing, like, the layers of your identity. It's also got what I would call, like, a no-nonsense but ethereal attitude, which is kind of a weird combo. But it's how I think other people think of guardian angels. Mm. I don't, like, I've never had an experience with a a spirit that I would classify as a guardian angel. But the way they have been described to me is that they are, like, higher than you different than you, more ethereal than you, but, like, extremely practical. Right. Extremely no-nonsense, no bullshit. And that is definitely the vibe I get from Hourglass Selenate. And, again, I think that has some connection to the literal land of the salt plains in Oklahoma.
0: Gotcha. Interesting. And that's it for Oats Stone
2: Corner! That is indeed it. That is indeed it. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Yes. It is. Um, I'll try keep, to keep...
0: keep it short. Cause I talk <laughs>
2: I'll try to keep it more compact or succinct. As has been mentioned, I, you know, I too was born into and raised by a Christian family. I was in the beginning of, of my education as a Christian. I went to, my parents went to a very liberal church. Mm-hmm. My mother didn't at the time necessarily believe in heaven, hell, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think it was really more of a social club, to be honest with you, <laughs> at the time, but I was a very spiritual kid. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is because I'm, I'm a medium, I'm a clairsentient medium mm-hmm unbeknownst to me started sensing spirits at a very young age and so I was always I was very in tune with the idea of God and Jesus and right because you were
1: having experiences I was having that experience you only had that framework for exactly
2: as I was growing up, though, and I I did become officially become a Christian by accepting Jesus as my savior and all that kind Doing of stuff. The whole routine. Around the same time, I started sensing spirits in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, around the age of six, I accepted Christ as my savior. Whole kitten caboodle, kitten caboodle. And you know, went to church every Sunday, went to Wednesday, kids' club, all that good stuff. But the interesting thing to me is as I think back on it, cause and this reminded me, because you said, you know, you were like eight and nine mm-hmm. and what another whatever, and you felt like, oh, it's, I've got to straight
1: from the path. Straight yeah. from the
2: path, I've got to rededicate my life. I think I did that about twelve times mm-hmm. between the ages of about about ten and thirteen. I was constantly feeling guilty or feeling like I was, I, I wasn't sure of my salvation. I wasn't sure God was happy with me. And I remember having. you will
0: do that to you when you're going through uh-huh. a, a right? Christian framework. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I remember having these discussions with my friends, you know, cause we would sit there and talk about it. Do you think we're saved? I don't know. I think I'm saved. How can you tell? How can you tell? But I definitely, about the age of 15, 16, I really began questioning Christianity. Mm-hmm began questioning god and and jesus and the holy spirit and all this stuff i'd been learning but then at some point i decided i was going to read the bible and decide for myself Mm -hmm. and i did and so i decided after reading the whole bible i'd yes i'm a christian i'm going to stick with this but at the same time from the time i was a very young child having sent you know sensing spirits in my around me and in my room and Things like that, you know, things I was exposed to watching television or in the library that I found at school. I was very interested in the occult. I was interested in witches. I was interested in spirits. I was interested in psychics and... All that kind of stuff. I, you know, I didn't really do anything about it, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, my friends and I, we played the games, you know, right. light as a feather, stiff as a board. Uh-huh. Pretend, you know, t- pretended we were reading each other's minds. Bloody Mary in the Bloody bathroom. Bloody Mary yeah. in the bathroom. Did Conjuring games and things like that. But there was always, because it was spooky and scary, mm-hmm. and there was always this Even sense Even those little, of,
1: like, um, do you, did you do those little, like, finger games yeah. with the... You fold piece up a piece paper. of paper yes, yeah. exactly. and you'd like do fortune telling with that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like magic eight ball. Mm-hmm. There
2: was always this sense that it was
1: forbidden mm-hmm.
2: because we were Christians. Cause everybody I knew was a Christian. The magic
0: eight ball was forbidden.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I, oh, wow.
1: I yeah. as a, as like an elementary school student and middle school student used to do the little paper thing yeah. with great mm-hmm. furtiveness. It was, <laughs> it was divination. Uh huh. You
2: know, so it was, you know, all, so all these things. And it
1: didn't matter that like my friends wrote down the right. things that
2: were in the paper thing. Fast forward, I went to college, I met Carr, got married, and by that time, I had become a very strict, legalistic, really, Christian, because I was trying not to be All interested. Right, is there a
0: stronger word than legalistic? Right. No, There's right? No, yeah. but
2: she was extremely I was extremely, she, extremely legalistic. legalistic. And I think the reason I was is because I was trying, to, I felt so guilty, yeah. For being interested basically in who I was. Right. I felt guilty for wanting to know more about the craft, for wanting to know more about spirits and mm-hmm. mediums and psychics because those all, that felt more normal to me mm-hmm. than what I was was doing. Right. You had a stronger connection. I had a stronger connection. At this point, I was depressed Mm -hmm. because I didn't feel fulfilled in uh, church. And I was questioning a lot of things again. And Carr had a job that took him away most of the week. And I had two little kids under the age of five. (laughs) We had joined a church that I literally just couldn't seem to find a way to fit in there. Couldn't make friends. And it was, again, a very legalistic church and so finally, I once a week, I would start taking the kids to a library that was within Oops. walking distance. It was
1: great. I and, love the library trips.
2: <laughs> I put my kids in a stroller. I'd push them along, and we would go to this library. And my, I think the librarians must have realized I was a desperate mother because every time my I pushed open the door, and it didn't matter... What time of day it was, what day it was. Suddenly it was Children's Hour, and uh, the librarian, one of the librarians, would grab my kids, take them to the kids section, read stories, give them cookies and juice, and I was free to wander for an hour in the in the stacks and read and do whatever I wanted. That's the time when I decided to start exploring other religions because I just wasn't feeling fulfilled as a Christian, which I was didn't dare tell my husband. I looked into Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and I looked into the philo- major, religions. The major yeah. religions then I looked into you know philosophy and all these different things and then one day I found that they didn't have a very big occult section it was a tiny little town
0: <laughs> cuz it was in Georgia Yeah
2: it was in Georgia so very tiny but they had this one book and it was called Ariadne's Thread a workbook of goddess magic and instantly I was intrigued because first of all I'd always been drawn to magic the second was I was just so disillusioned with god I thought, what the hell? Let's see what a goddess is like. <laughs> and so I took that book out. I took it home. I devoured that thing within a day. Mm-hmm. And then I tried one of the exercises and felt immediate connection. The thing about that was it felt like coming home to my true self. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I told your father when he got home. Right, he was in like,
1: 1995. 1995.
2: He was like, you do this. I take the kids. You never see them or me again terrified me. I didn't want to lose my children. Sucked it up. I took the book back. And for the next five years, I tried to be the best little Christian wife I could be, Mm -hmm. even though it really became just a mask. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in 1999, I said, fuck it. I am I have access to the internet now because we didn't have that in a a normal basis Mm -hmm. until about 1999. I started getting into chat groups and things like that, that talked about pagan issues and Mm -hmm. witchcraft. And I just was, I got books out of the library again and started reading more and I'd hide them in places under the bed and, and things like that. And so finally I, one day I said, this is who I truly am. And so even though I was still going to church, I was teaching at a Christian preschool. I was putting on the good face for everybody at home I was practicing goddess worship. I had dedicated myself to the goddess. I was learning everything I could about the craft. I was meditating twice a day. I was gaining in my own understanding of who I was as a medium and as a witch. So I started with Wicca. Mm-hmm. And then as your father explained over time we separated and for, you know, most of that time I was practicing some either some form of wicca and then i moved into uh traditional witchcraft and then eventually i moved into christian witchcraft and the Mm -hmm. reason i eventually moved into christian witchcraft is because i flip-flopped back and forth all the time uh, mm -hmm. because of guilt yeah because of over 30 years of by that time of training of, of programming and training by by christian teachers and preachers and Things like that, that what I was doing was wrong, that the divination I was learning and the and being a witch and all these things was wrong, that I shouldn't worship other gods and blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was harming myself and I thought I was harming my children. Mm-hmm. I would flip flop back and forth. Well, I, I'm going to be a Christian. No, I'm going to be a witch. Well, I'm going to be a Christian. No. I'm. Gonna... So finally, I decided I could have the best of both worlds mm-hmm. and became a Christian witch. Right. And it worked for me for about two years. Mm-hmm. And in that time frame, you know, I had introduced you to the craft, but then you said, you know, I wouldn't train you. And the reason I th- I think back on it was because I was so, I felt so guilty right. about myself. You were, you were afraid to tarnish. I us. was afraid, you know, I, I worried that I was going to condemn my children to hell. Mm-hmm. And plus I was new. I didn't know half right. of what I was doing myself and I was eclectic. And so I was pulling from all these different sources and I was
1: alone. I was a solitary. I think it's really interesting that as a witch, you were so worried about health.
2: I was. I was. But then if, I was also involved in, uh, as a medium in ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. And I had an experience that basically led me to renounce everything I was doing. She got in spooking. I got spooked, And that fear just took hold, took a deep root, mm-hmm. I think. And so I gave up everything to do with the craft and being a medium. Threw away a lot of things. Th- threw away <laughs> a bunch of stuff again. And, she um, went through these purges. I went through purges. For a while. And so I went back to being a Christian for 10 years. Uh, very vocally speaking against the occult. Yep. Telling everybody quote unquote my testimony about how God had saved me from Satan mm-hmm. you know and the occult and witches and blah blah and being a witch and everything. But then my husband lost his job and I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> and by that time, by that time, she was time, incandescently oh my furious. God, was so but the thing is, I realized when you lost that job, I had already started. I hadn't gone to church yeah, in a couple of years. years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You never went where I worked because mm-hmm.
2: I didn't feel welcome there. Right, yeah. I didn't feel at home there. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped going to church by that time. I really wasn't praying. I really, I really wasn't a Christian anymore. Right. It was just, a, it, was just, a it was just a habit. Right. Yes. It was just a mask. And when you got fired and it was a, this big messy deal, and I was just incandescent with rage, and I thought I could curse the fuck out of them and they wouldn't know what hit them. I was, it made me sit back and go,
1: huh. Can take the witch out of the occult, but can't take the occult out of the witch. <laughs>
2: I still, you know, hemmed and hawed and, and things like that. But then my father died mm-hmm. and my son came to me and said, I'm your son.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And he's, he's uh, my my trans son. Mm-hmm. I realized I could no longer, A, put these masks on and pretend to be something that I was not. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, once a witch, always a witch. And I, I believe that is true because my mentor had years before all of this. What she told me was, you don't learn how to become a witch you remember how to be a witch. Mm-hmm. It's something that you are. That you just unlock. That you unlock within yourself and let, and you set free. And so I realized I've always been a witch. From the time I was a child, I was a witch. And I didn't want to be a part of a religion that would tell me my gay father was going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be part of a religion that told me I had to reject my children Because one of them was a male, but he hadn't been born that way. Right. And my other child was not in Christianity, was going to go to hell because, you know, she was a practicing pagan. I didn't want to be a part of that system anymore. And so, honestly, I just didn't want to be a part of religion anymore. Ode and I had many, many chats. Oh, many, many. Many, many talks. (laughs) She finally was. And we had been,
1: I had been talking to my parents about their Christianity for years. I was constantly asking questions and challenging them. Arguing. Arguing. I was asking questions. I was challenging them to explain to me this thing in Christianity that doesn't make sense to me. Explain to me why you believe this thing. Explain, 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 explain. And I was very rarely satisfied. So I had forced them to have these conversations with me for years. (laughs)
2: And, but then I started, you know, talking to, to Ode about how I felt. And, you know, that I was wearing a mask, that I was just, you know, I was doing what was expected of me because of the way I'd been raised Mm -hmm. and, and the expectations put upon me because I'd been so vocal about my quote unquote testimony Mm -hmm. and things like that. And she was like, you're allowed to change your mind, Yeah, you know? And so I did, I (laughs) I just said, fuck it. I'm a witch. This is who I am. I'm happy being this way. I'm more fulfilled this way. That basically is it. It was a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. I have been so much more at peace since just acknowledging who I am mm-hmm. than trying to put on this religious affectation, facade. this facade. And I describe myself as a non-religious witch, eclectic, mm-hmm. non-religious green witch specifically. <laughs> a big part of this last few years of having no religion at all is just because I just didn't want to have to to play that game anymore. Basically, a green witch is someone who focuses on nature, uses natural materials and energies in their practice. They are often skilled herbalists, something I'm intending to become. May enjoy gardening and wildcrafting, two things that I do enjoy. Green witches are also very attuned to the cycles of nature, try to live environmentally friendly lives, lower the footprint, that kind of thing, because... It's uh, and it's an important aspect of, of who They're we are. Eco-witches. Yeah, we're eco witches, basically. Gotcha. And a green witch also is is generally eclectic in that they can have any religion, any pantheon, right. that kind of thing. My own, I would say, if I were to to add a pantheon or, or add a deity beyond my patron, right, it would probably be Gaia or some other earth goddess. Now let us gotcha. go to car's feast table. Car's feast table. <laughs>
0: So it's uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is our this is our a new, new segment, segment that Gwen and I get to introduce. <laughs> That's right. Which the, we'll we'll refine that over time, I'm sure. We will. we will, we'll
2: practice. But yeah, it's been several people have requested that Car the have car his get own a segment. segment. And so and, we finally, him, and he's all cheered right now. <laughs> someone
1: suggested on the Facebook that we do Car's feast table because he's brought us several recipes. So we got him finally to agree to do this.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, because of the stuff we've been talking about, I decided to do no guilt chocolate cake mm-hmm. <laughs> with the no guilt being emphasized the part of that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's the ingredients for this cake. Mm-hmm. 16 ounces of cooked black beans.
1: Oh, I'm, is that just for color? But <laughs> <laughs> No, to make it moist and delicious. What's happening?
0: That's gonna be your cake. Oh so my it's, gosh! It's black beans, eggs, vanilla extract, salt, extra virgin coconut oil. Okay. Cacao powder. Okay. Baking powder and baking soda. There's this
1: no is flour a, in this, this is cake. No gluten free. <laughs> oh my gosh! Recipe. Gluten free. It's,
0: gluten-free. it's yeah. no
1: guilt on several levels.
0: And no sugar in it at all. You're using that's honey. Amazing. Yeah. So. You um, gotta make then, this shit, right? <laughs> and then the glaze that goes over it is half a cup of dairy-free chocolate chips uh-huh. and two tablespoons of extra virgin coconut oil. So
2: basically it's vegan. No. Right? No, egg. No, eggs. Eggs. Yeah. Yeah. So vegetarian. 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 Yep. Gluten free. Yep. Low sugar. Yes. That's amazing. Exactly. Yep. That's nice. Hence the no
1: guilt part of it. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: So you basically, you place all the ingredients for the cake in a Uh high powered blender and blend the crap out of it (laughs) until it's very smooth consistency. You throw it into your cake pan. Then you set your oven to 350 and bake it for 35 minutes.
2: Now I'm assuming you can That's get those super easy. Cooked black beans just out of a can because those would
0: already be cooked. Or, yeah, or, you would, could. or would you? Need to heat them I up would a little do, bit more. I would cook them, cook them. Yeah.
1: Cause otherwise you're going to have to drain this. yeah, you're going to have to rinse and drain true. whatever fact, like yeah. liquid they come in. Kinda... Sounds
2: intriguing. I'm,
0: I'm willing to I try. It. Yep. And then the glaze that goes on it, you basically just microwave the coconut oil with <sighs> nice. the dairy free chocolate chips for 45 seconds. So easy. Stir. And when I'm the cake is cool enough, pour it over it. I'm That's down. That's the
1: easiest and, like...
0: No guilt chocolate cake! I, I'm willing to try
1: it. Yeah. Although I think we should make him make it. We should, yeah. We we like to make car cook sometimes. He's because actually a really he's good He's really, cook. really good at it, but he hates to do it for That's some right. reason.
0: I hate to do it because... I don't cook like other people cook. That's true. Right. I don't make easy things.
1: Yeah. He always makes like super complex. It's a so, it's an
0: all-day process where I cook it is. because I make an entire meal. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he never makes like one thing. He makes a main like a main course and all the sides that will complement it best. But right. God's
0: above and below, it <laughs> is amazing.
1: It's always great what he does, yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: So yes, I'll make this cake.
2: Thank Socks. you, You're yeah, and we'll let you know if we love it.
0: <laughs> we probably will <laughs> love it. We will love it.
2: So is that it for your segment?
0: That's it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that yep. was very nice. We'll your inaugural
1: se- segment. We'll Yay! post it online
0: so everybody can get the exact, exact recipe. A lot yeah. of eggs. And, yeah, I'm sure. Um,
1: so this episode went a little longer than we expected, you guys. We yeah. were going to talk about some other stuff. The next episode that's coming up in two weeks, we're going to be talking about scholarship in religion and we're going to fold in some of the stuff about um, finding your path.
0: I don't yeah. want to say it's scholarship in religion. I would say scholarship, scholarship in pages. We're
1: going to we're going to continue sort of in this vein discussing this kind of thing in mm-hmm. the next episode. But yeah. hopefully this has answered some of your questions. A lot of people like an astonishing number of people have asked us about how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. So hopefully mm-hmm. like this has cleared up some Yeah. Oh, guess what? Oh, mm-hmm. that's right.
0: It's time for <laughs> Can we do something
1: in the middle?
2: (laughs) 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 It's time for reviews. The book that we're reviewing today, I got as a a free book to review from Arts and Craft. Actually, it's from Wiser Books. Yes, but it was left at Arts and Craft, and that's the reason we were able to review it today.
1: Yeah, we're reviewing a pagan book of prayer by a name I'm going to take a run at, Sizer Sereth.
0: That's pretty close, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, who is an adf
0: druid correct
1: and the founder of at least one grove i believe
0: yes i think actually two
1: two yeah. okay so uh, we're looking at this book it's this is the revised edition correct. so the original printing was like 20 years ago and this is a revised edition that yeah. has changed the format slightly and has added a few things mm-hmm. but but it's not a significantly revised edition yeah, it originally edition, my came out
0: in 2002 yeah so 16 years Jeez. ago
1: Jeezy crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're almost into twenty years. I, I know. I can't
1: believe it's uh, oh, crazy. Yeah, so we picked up this book, mm. and it's interesting. I, one of the reasons I
2: was interested in that book is because even though I am not a religious, explicitly religious, explicitly religious, yeah. I am several years in now, getting to a place where I'm feeling more of a of a desire to put a little bit more of a a religion or a a spiritual aspect into my practice. And so I wanted to have something that if I felt the need for a ritual or a little more spiritual in the situation that I'm dealing with on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day basis, whatever, it would be nice to have this book because it gives you options for prayers. And so that's what appealed to me about this book.
1: Yeah. So the structure of the book is that the sort of the first, I don't know, quarter maybe talks about why mm-hmm. pagans might want to pray mm-hmm. and sort of the the basics of what prayer looks like yeah, and how forms right. how you can go about performing prayer and uh, yeah yep. and then sort of the last half of the book is a series of prayers that mm-hmm. the author has written to various gods for various reasons and some of them
2: are uh, a little more generic than others, Mm -hmm. but is a a huge variety of of situations, at least for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and actually used one of them. I did a a prayer to the land spirits Mm -hmm. after we had been living here for a while. I had been out in the yard, I'd been cleaning things up. And so I decided I wanted to do this and I asked Ode to join me. So we Mm -hmm. offered a life, you know, a little offering Mm -hmm. and we said this prayer. And I felt it was very meaningful for me as someone who's not necessarily religious to have this, it's just a small little prayer, but it was nice to have that option.
1: Yeah, most of these prayers are four or five lines. They're not. Yeah, very, they're not you know, long. They're you can memorize most of them. Yep. And
2: I and it, but it also it it offers um, them as examples of okay, you want to make your own? Here's an idea. Right. Here's kind of a template. So I liked
0: the book. I thought it was very useful. Yeah, I really like, uh, like the, the table of offerings in the back. Mm-hmm. Because I don't necessarily know what offerings to mm-hmm. use. Right, I yeah, usually. So it gave me a good. Yeah. A, a, at least a starting point. Right. right. On offerings.
1: I didn't find this book like, useful for me personally, I think in large part because I write my own prayers. Mm -hmm. Right. I very much follow sort of my intuition and my existing source material for, like, what kind of offerings to leave. Right. But I did appreciate the first part of the book, especially where it talks a little bit about sort of why you might want to pray. Mm -hmm. So, like,
0: the first four chapters. Yeah. 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 And sort of the
1: the various, the the ways that you can pray in sort of a nonverbal way, the positions Mm. of prayer, the action of prayer. I, I appreciated that. I, as usual, wanted more information than I got, but yeah. I understand that that is a me problem and not a book problem.
0: <laughs> right? I think Good. it's. A, I I'm think glad it's you're a, getting that finally. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think it's a useful book for any pagan to have, if they, you know, whether they're a religious pagan or not,
0: just to have on their shelf to give them some options. I I think, I think it's cool. I don't think. I will probably use it. Yeah, I think it's really well done. I I will probably use the template in the back about uh, the offerings, offerings, and that kind of thing. But because prayer for me still rings Christian, right? Mm, it's hard. I for have you. a real hard time to you've, do it. You've,
1: that's you've got you've got some things you have to unknot before that's really right, an option. For exactly. You. Yeah. yeah, and it
0: may be something I come back to. That said. I never used a Christian book right. of prayer when I was in Christianity. Right, yeah, so. it's very,
1: I guess, liturgical. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is
0: very ADF. And
1: right. it's a, a druid who wrote the book. Right. I did find that some of the writing was a little sanctimonious. Sometimes the author would make statements of, like, facts that didn't feel like facts to me. They just felt like... Observations. Right. This person's personal experience, but mm. they were presented not as personal experience, but as just sort of
2: rules. Mm. Gotcha.
1: Sometimes people do that. I've noticed. Yeah. Um so that frustrated me a little bit. Also, he did my boy Loki dirty in the back. So <laughs> that, let's face it, that's what it is. That's That's, that's what that's it is. <laughs> I got to, I was already in a position of like, okay, well, your law is your your word isn't the only law out there, buddy. And then he was like, Loki was never worshipped, by the way, and I was like, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is what it comes down to. Loki was dissed. So if you want to be yeah. friends, do not be Loki. I'm just saying. <laughs> but overall, I would give it a I'd give it a 3.5.
1: Yeah, I'd give it a 3.5 as well. It was a, it was a very like a functional book. It does its job. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I'm absolutely sure that there are people who would benefit from having this book. Absolutely.
0: I would probably give it a three, but part of that's probably just my like your
1: your existing drama. Yeah. So yeah. just
0: so everybody knows, though, it is uh, sixteen ninety five. Comes out November first.
1: Yeah, so it comes out very soon. And and you should be able to get it on Amazon. The revised right? you can, version. You
0: can actually get it on Amazon I, right now. The revised version oh. is actually on special, and you can get it for twelve dollars so and thirty four cents. So one I, two three four. I
1: <laughs> do actually recommend getting the revised edition because yeah. it has some prayers in it that the original edition doesn't. Have have. Yep. And who
0: did you say the publisher was again? This is Wiser Books, so which is part of uh, Wiser Red Wheel.
1: Yeah. Cool. Not a bad book, just not for me
0: personally. Yeah. Right.
1: And I would use it again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's it then for yeah. this episode. So that's cool. Um, there's a couple of things that we need to discuss. Right. Uh, yeah, kind yeah. Of like right, right. esoterically.
1: Don't, don't uh, skip the end of the episode. We actually have some things that are really cool that we need to talk to you guys about. Yeah.
0: Right. So what are they?
1: Well, we're, for starters, we've got the Yuling Exchange. Yes. Yes, the Yuling Exchange. Yuling.
0: And yeah.
2: we've got some people signed
1: up. Yeah, we've yeah.
0: got we've currently got 12 Yuler Yulees for Yuling. hmm <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you just like saying that. You do.
0: Which is cool, because we've already got 12 people signed up, so mm-hmm. that means we have, you know, six and six. So uh-huh. And for those of you, you who
2: are going, what the fuck is Yuling? It's a gift exchange.
1: <laughs> That's, we talked about this in the last episode, but if you skipped the end of the episode, you might have missed it. Uh, we are facilitating an exchange of gifts for Yule between all our listeners. Yep. It was originally proposed on the Discord by Lorelei, but since not everybody is on the Discord, mm-hmm. we thought we would facilitate oh, it, um, send through, it out to everybody. through the podcast so that everybody who listens can be part of this. So if you want to participate in the Yule gift exchange between three-pack listeners...
0: Yep, you need to email me... Car at 3pagansandacat.com. That's the number three, pagansandacat.com. So, C-A-R, like what you drive, mm-hmm. the at sign, 3pagansandacat.com. Yep. And you need to include your name, your real name. Right,
1: your, your mailing name. <laughs> your mailing, mailing name,
0: name. Your mailing address. And the path that you're currently on, I am the only person who sees these. Yep. So then, the only other person who will see it will just be whoever you're, your your Yuler is, gift. yep, not um, your Yulee's. Yeah.
1: So we just want we just want your tradition or your path or whatever it is you're interested in, so that people can tailor their gifts a little yeah. bit. Yep. Yeah. And the rule is that gifts must not cost more than ten dollars. Correct.
0: So, that's right. And I would say the majority of people would prefer something that was kind of handmade. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to make no guilt chocolate cake, you have to find a way to ship it.
2: Right. I don't but know how you would do that. I don't know how you would do that. Maybe send the ingredients in a packet. Uh-huh. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Here then, it all is.
2: And then there's another opportunity that we're offering. Yeah. About. So... Yeah, this is brand this new. This is brand new. Car just came up with it today. And we think
1: it's genius.
0: Well, why, thank you. <laughs> so we've started this newsletter... And quite honestly, Gwen and I have absolutely sucked at getting it yeah, out. Yeah,
2: we've dropped the ball. Sorry about that, people. Um,
0: part of it was the move. Part, part, of, part of it, it was, I was working. Yeah, yeah. Gwen was yeah. working. Part of it, I mean, there's a lot of excuses we could give you for it. We've just sucked at putting it out.
1: It's and not been a priority. It's not been a priority.
0: And quite honestly, it's just a rehash of, yeah, of what the episodes are. It's really just been like a list be.
1: of our blog posts. Right. And, where we're going to
0: be. Right. It's
1: kind of boring. Yeah.
0: Yep. And so rather than... boring to than, put together,
1: it was probably boring to read.
0: Yes. So rather than continue that in some weird vein mm-hmm. of doing that, I decided on my own and then did not tell anybody else until I talked to Gwen and Ode, which is not my normal modus operandi. It's
2: a huge we're, step we're forward. We're making progress. <laughs> we're making progress.
0: Normally I just say we're doing something and then put it <laughs> out to the public and then go to them and go, hey, by the way...
1: Hey, I've done this thing. And we're like,
0: oh Okay, then... <laughs> So we are going to take what used to be the Three Pagans and a Cat newsletter mm-hmm. and turn it into the Communitas Paganus monthly magazine. Yep. What this means is we need more people to write stuff for it. We
2: want yep. content. We people. don't want it
0: to just be about us. We that's want super it to boring. be about everything that has to do with paganism. paganism and culture and that kind of stuff and
2: one of the things we've noticed is we, you know mm-hmm. through the groups that we've started and just the comments that we've received and dialogue on discord we've got some really fucking smart people yeah just yeah. some extra
1: the group of listeners you guys the group are who listens to, th- to three pagans and a cat and like connects with us and communicates with us you guys are some of the like smartest most like emotionally intelligent most Curious people yeah. I've ever met in my life, and we think
2: that it would be awesome if we
1: collated some of these
2: uh, these things that you have, uh, your experiences, your writings, mm-hmm. and things like yep. that, and put it in the magazine.
0: Yep. And so we'll put that up on our website. We'll yep. also send it out to our newsletter subscribers. Mm-hmm. Right. But every month we're going to put out a new one. So you need to create content. The more content you create, mm-hmm. the longer, right? The, the
1: bigger the magazine.
0: The bigger will be. the magazine <laughs> gets.
2: And, you know, we'll edit it and we'll put stuff about our, you know, what we're doing. We'll right. do the, the same content But if you've got something there.
0: else going, yeah. if you've got something going on, if you're going to be
2: if you're teaching, teaching a class, a class mm-hmm. or something,
0: tell us. Because we'll put it we'll on put the it, calendar. We'll put Absolutely. it in the magazine. If you have something
2: yeah. that, you know, that you create, send pictures along so we can include
0: that. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So we want this to be very interactive. Mm-hmm. We're willing to...
2: Curate it. Curate. That's
0: the word I'm looking Just- for. I think it's a great idea. We've
2: already got some good response. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've
0: already on the uh, Three Pagans and a Cat Facebook page, which, oddly enough, you can get to by going to facebook.com forward slash the number three P-A-A-C. You can then see that that's there. Mm -hmm. There's a thing on it. If you go to the group, if you're a member of the group, there's already been several comments and discussions mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. it. We already got people looking to write book reviews, mm-hmm. some poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all, uh,
1: really, anything. anything related to your paths, you exactly. guys. Yep. That really any, can... any written content or, or even art related to your paths, yep. feel free to send it in to us and we will put that shit in the magazine. It's going to be great because yep. that'll really give us an opportunity to sort of share with each other mm-hmm. sort of our individual, our unique
0: voices. Yep. That's
1: right. And
2: we can learn more about your
1: paths.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can send that all to Carr at threepagansandacat.com. On the, on the other side of that is that Ode and Gwyn both now have threepagansandacat.com email addresses and Facebook pages Mm -hmm. that are just for them. So it's, Gwyn of Three Pagans and a Cat and Ode of Three Pagans and a Cat Those on Facebook. Are our Facebook
2: pages. And so
0: you can find them there and connect with them on Facebook individually. Um, you can
1: find me on Instagram, on Instagram. Uh, uh, as Ode Three Pagans. And you can also email me at Ode at Three Pagans and a Cat.com.
2: Yep. I'm Gwyn of Three Pagans and a Cat on Instagram and you can find me at gwyn at com.
1: If you want to reach all three of us, the easiest thing is probably still going to be to email Carr. Yep. But if you just want to talk to one of us specifically, you can now do that. Yep. yep.
0: And then I'm going to throw out one other thing that Ode will probably kill me for, but, um, and maybe Gwyn. Oh. but I think for our Yule episode, mm-hmm. we ought to open up the channel on discord for everybody. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. So for Yule, our gift to everybody.
1: Yep. Our gift to you all our gift to you all is that the recording channel will be opened. Yep. So that even and everybody
0: can listen. Even listeners questions. who are not
1: hunters will have access to the to the Discord and to the Hunter channel so that you can listen and For one episode. and talk with us and hang and out with us questions. during that recording. Yep. So right. look and forward to that.
2: And if you're not sure what the hunter level is, that's part of our Patreon. Right. Yep. If you want to support us you can go to Patreon for 3pagansandacat.com. You
1: find that on our website. Yep. We and have we- a red bubble where someone bought a sticker recently. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's cool. We get very little traffic through the red bubble, but someone did buy a sticker and I was that's like, cool. amazing.
0: Somebody's bought a sticker and I think somebody bought a t-shirt one yes. time, right? Yes, once, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, mm-hmm.
2: but so you've got <laughs> options, and but you'll find those tier levels on uh, on the Patreon. Yeah. And normally only hunters and bug can hear us on the live recording channel. Correct. Right. So it's going to be a nice Yule gift. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, yeah that have should have be, it should be fun to yeah, have.
0: Because uh, I was looking the other day, and this kind of blew me away. <laughs>
1: How many people are on, we on the Discord? Have
0: Gosh, let's see here if I can do math. Uh, that would be sixty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if I take Gwen out, mm-hmm. that would be sixty-one people. Yeah, I don't yeah. do much on the Discord. who are on the Discord. So. so come
2: join us on the Discord, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Um, and yeah,
1: it's pretty active.
0: Yeah, it's very active. Yep. Probably I need to be on it more because I looked today and I was like, oh, I missed like a week and a half uh-huh. of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah, I, I actually be more check active. in.
1: I actually check in on the Discord yeah. pretty frequently. I don't comment very often because often you guys are just holding your holding a conversation just fine on your own. But I, I check in on the Discord yeah, pretty frequently. Yeah.
2: Same thing with the group. I just kind of check in every now and then. But you guys are having great conversations, and you're that's, answering each other's questions. It's wonderful. We love to see that kind wh- of
1: interaction. Yeah. yeah. And that's by and large why we want to do this magazine mm-hmm. and give you guys a little more of a platform that's a little more organized yep. to share your stuff. And yeah. we are on Twitter too.
2: We're oh, yes. we are. Yes,
0: Where's we're on Twitter. Us on Twitter. Three underscore pagans yep. cool. is where we are on Twitter. Cool. And cool. then you
1: can find links to all the everythings all we the do everythings. at threepagansandacat.com
0: Is that it? I think so. Alright, good. I don't know.
2: Do you have anything else that you want to add?
0: I don't think so.
1: No, I think we've I think we've summed because we're gonna move a lot of this content to another episode. So I think we've summed. I think we've
2: summed everything up
0: for this episode. So I can stop this. thing? does
2: anybody have any
1: questions that they didn't ask?
0: Uh, No, oh me or on Discord? Discord. No, everybody's just been kind of chatting with me and saying how wonderful I am.
1: (laughs) Uh, So you (laughs) know, uh, know. fair enough. fair enough. Car is quite wonderful.
0: So, you know, it's been good for my ego today, right. if nothing else. <laughs> of uh, this, yes,
1: today has been very good for your <laughs> self-esteem. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let, yeah, not, hit the button. Let's, let's, let's
2: not inflate <laughs> his ego too much.
0: <laughs> no, feel free. Inflate my ego all you want. By the way, whoever oh. it was from Mississippi. Oh, my
2: God, oh, yeah. That's right. We love you, Mississippi. Thanks, Mississippi.
0: We now have four downloads in Mississippi, and my life is complete. Now and we'll start working on other countries. I swear,
2: I think that little spell
1: helped at the
2: end.
0: Oh, whoever you are, we appreciate. Alright, thank you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Alright, bye. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at ww.threepagansandacat.com.